You're listening to Tiny Home Tours, a podcast that celebrates all things tiny living. We're your hosts, Allison, Chris, and Loren. Join us as we sit down with nomads and tiny home dwellers to discover why they went tiny, the lessons they've learned, and inspire you to take the leap. This episode is brought to you by the Tiny Home Tours newsletter. Would you enjoy a weekly newsletter that shares all things tiny? Every Friday, we share sneak peeks of full upcoming tour videos, blog posts, and new podcast episodes. Join with the link below or by visiting tinyhometours.com. Hi, uh, my name is James Legrand. Uh, a lot of people know me as the tea guy. This podcast is going to be centered on extended warranties with, with vehicles, specifically yours, a camper van and I'll start this with my experience with it just so you understand where, where I'm coming from uh, with a warranty company. So I bought a class A motorhome back in 2015 or 16, somewhere around there. It's probably 15. But as I was finalizing the paperwork, signing the financing and all that stuff, the guy from the dealership, I never met him before. He wasn't the sales guy. He wasn't the manager that I was talking to. It was a whole different guy. Took me into a room and was having me sign all the papers and he presented the extended warranty paper like it was something I was supposed to sign. Like it was just part of the process and that's what I was supposed to do. And when I started looking at it, I was like, wait a second, I need to take this home and do my own research because I, I don't know if I want this. And he acted very upset that I would even consider not getting the extended warranty. Was that something similar to your case? Uh, almost word for word, it, it's almost scary how similar that was. Yes, I went through the normal paperwork of you know purchasing the van. Then somebody totally separate brought me into a you know one room and gave me the same thing, like as as if it was part of the purchasing process. Like you are expected to do this. This is the warranty we offer for it. We are pretty much the exact same situation. For for those that didn't read the show notes, if they're just coming into this podcast and listening to it, could you run us by your experience, what happened with you and your extended warranty company? Uh, well, in the beginning when, uh, you know, they took me aside and were talking about the warranty with me, uh, at first, you know, they made it sound like it was a really good idea. Uh, you know, I'm spending all this money to have, uh, you know, a van that's only a few years old. Uh, and for, uh, a couple, you know, a couple grand, I can ensure that anything that happens to this vehicle can be fixed. Uh, they promised me bumper to bumper, anything that isn't brakes, lights, or basic maintenance, uh, the contract would cover. Though, unfortunately, the first time I, you know, tried to use it, you know, uh, two years later, when my engine blew up out of nowhere, uh, it didn't prove to be that easy. I needed to uh, hunt down every single oil change receipt I had ever had. And, you know, being nomadic, I had not a single one of those was even in the same state, let alone, you know, the same place. And uh, there's all sorts of things that can go wrong there. Like uh, one of the receipts uh, from a Jiffy Lube in Arizona uh, ended up having their entire computer system shut down. So I had to get in uh, contact with the actual, you know, Jiffy Lube corporate and get it from their database, which doesn't sound too hard. You know, I didn't think it would be anyway until I actually tried to do that. And it took me all day to get that one receipt. And then from there, did they, mm -hmm. so you had to get all the receipts. And then typically, from what I understand with warranty companies, 
they have you go to a mechanic and the mechanic looks mm -hmm. it over as well? Uh, yeah, actually, uh, I went to a mechanic first as soon as the light came on. And, you know, just part of the process with something like this, so like, is this vehicle under warranty? And I told them, yes, it is. I gave them my contract and uh, they started working on that for me. Uh, though I actually couldn't stay at the shop. Uh, I was in South Dakota trying to put my residency together. And uh, that used to be a one day process. You know, you would show up, you do all your paperwork and voila, you're a South Dakota resident. But with COVID, you have to make a, an appointment ahead of time for uh, your appointment at the DMV to get your license. And right now there's such a backlog of people moving to South Dakota that the only DMV in the entire state that was willing to see me in that week, you know, not even that day, that week, uh, was all the way over on the east side and I was in the Black Hills on the west side. Uh, you know, gratefully they were nice enough to, you know, lend me, my, lend me a car and say, you know, uh, uh, don't scratch it, take care of it, get to your meeting, we'll do everything we can to handle this. Talking about the dealership there, the dealership gave you a loaner car to, for you to get over to. Uh, not the uh, dealership, the uh, particular shop I was at uh, to have the uh, car worked on. What did the mechanic shop say? Like, what what exactly happened to your engine, and what what did they say about the uh, dealing with the warranty? It was a really tricky situation because they contacted the warranty company, and the company was firm that you are not allowed to touch that vehicle until we have all the paperwork in order. So, and they were so difficult to talk to and to get a hold of that by the time we finally got clearance to even start diagnosing the vehicle, three weeks had already gone by. I had to get all the oil change receipts together. They all had to be sent over and they lost the receipts two separate times. We got all the oil change receipts, faxed them over, and, you know, when you send a fax, you get the little okay confirmation that it, they've been sent. But uh, we would call them, you know, the following day to see what happened. And they'd be like, oh, we don't have any record of you sending us these receipts. It wasn't until we, you know, managed to get a uh, email address for one specific uh, adjuster at the company that we were able to make things go a little bit quicker. So when it, when it comes to this particular warranty company and you know, we're, we're both on the fence about mentioning them because legal reasons, because this, this company sounds very shady and everything, because you, you text me and email me and you were telling me this stuff. I was like, oh, okay, I, I, I see what type of company this is. Because, you know, in, in the Facebook groups, uh, there's a full-time RVing group and a lot of people have all these horror stories about extended warranties. When I was doing research, I saw the horror stories as well. Like they put you know, Alcoa rims on their RV, which wasn't stock. So when their roof started leaking, they, they wouldn't cover the, like they, they refused to honor the warranty, you know, like it's just, they, they look for every single little thing. When mm -hmm. you were put in that high pressure situation and you signed the paper, did you do any research at all on this particular company? Uh, I will admit that I did not, but I had such a good experience with the dealership itself. And, uh, uh, at the time, it just seemed like a no-brainer. I'm spending all this money on this vehicle, and at the end of the day, in you know, uh, context of cars, you know, spending a couple extra grand to uh, make sure that your investment is safe just seemed like a nice insurance policy. How old was the vehicle when you bought it? 
2018 and it was 2019, so it was only a year old. So did it not have the factory warranty on it? Uh, it did, but uh, the factory warranty from uh, Ram was only good for another 10,000 miles. Whereas this warranty was covering me for the next 70 miles. Uh, yeah, 70,000 miles, yes. Yeah, that's, that's something to keep in mind too. It sounds like we had such similar experiences where the dealership itself, <laughs> up until I signed the paperwork, everything was good because the, the manager and the salesperson, they were like my best friends until I signed that piece of paper that the RV was mine. Then I couldn't get them on the phone. They wouldn't email. So just, just for people in, in context here, if you do go to a dealership, realize that they will be your best friend and they'll bend over backwards for you until you sign that piece of paper. Once, once you sign any papers that you're now the owner or you have the warranty, it's just a little tap on the butt and it's okay. See ya. We, we, we hope to never see you again. Um, so it makes me curious how that works with the, with the RV dealerships. Like if, if they get a cut, say if you spent $2,000 on the extended warranty, if the dealership actually gets 500 of it, you know what I mean? Um, so that's, that's something for people to keep in mind, even though, you know, they have a great experience at the dealership, everything that they present to you doesn't necessarily mean it's for your best interest. You got to realize they're a business and they're trying to make as much money as possible. So we're, we're up to the point to where you are getting all the receipts. It's about a three week process. Mm -hmm. What, what, happened after that all right so when the one receipt was missing you know from the uh one uh jiffy lube i wasn't able to get a hold of in arizona uh i hadn't heard from them in several days and this was the case all throughout the process and this entire process they did not call me or the shop a single time anytime this thing moved forward it was because we reached out to them and you know really got on them to try and get this thing done so having not he heard from them, uh, they told me that the claim was being uh, denied because there's mileage here without record of an oil change. Uh, and so I went through the whole process of getting that last receipt and they reviewed everything. It, uh, again, it took days for them to go over and just look at a couple receipts and you know see that I had changed my oil. Uh, and from there, they said, okay, you have your paperwork. We're going to send a, an, an inspector over to, uh, you know, come look at what's happened. And they gave the shop the green light to start taking the engine apart and figure out what was going on in there. But uh, because we figured out what was going on on a Thursday, they were like, uh, it's too late in the week. Someone will be here, you know, next week to look at it. And, you know, that was all time. But we were just sitting in South Dakota twiddling our thumbs. And then, so the next week comes, does the inspector actually come? Uh, the inspector did actually come, uh, but rather than it being Monday, he didn't get there until Tuesday. Uh, the inspector said, yeah, I can tell just by looking at this that uh, this is a manufacturing issue. Uh, it shouldn't be any problem. And he went back to uh, whatever company he came from to you know, tell him what happened and gave the shop the green light to send out the uh, send out the estimate. Well, at that point, we had started to have like a sigh of relief. Okay, this is uh, finally over. We're getting somewhere. The estimate's going to go out and they're going to pay for it. Uh, they send out the estimate and a little bit of fine print there because the estimate was for over $5,000. Uh, 
the actual company that you talk can talk to directly over the phone said we cannot approve this we need to send this to our insurance carrier to have them approve it and then if they approve it then we can start getting you an engine uh, this process may take up to a week and so we said whatever we do what you gotta do send it to them for approval uh, i waited for uh, over a week nine days actually and still hadn't heard anything from them so i called them up and they were like uh, we haven't actually sent it out. You see, you need to answer a couple questions for us first before we can even send it to the carrier. And there was zero communication at all, and you just killed, you know, nine days. Uh, and they were all questions I could answer over the phone, too. All they had to do was call me. Well, what were the questions? Oh, they were uh, really simple things like, uh, we noticed that your vehicle has been painted. Why was it painted? And we noticed that there is the sticker on the side of your door, what is the sticker? And uh, what, has this vehicle ever been used for commercial purposes? So my answers were, uh, you know, it's my personal vehicle. I, you know, drive it where I have to go. Uh, it has never been used for any sort of business. And the sticker on the side is uh, just the Air Nomad symbol from Avatar The Last Airbender. Uh, after that, they said, all right, we'll send it out to the carrier. Uh, touch base with you in a week. Uh, as expected, a week went by, I did not hear from them. So I called them up and uh, the adjuster told me, it looks like uh, your claim has been denied because of uh, commercial, commercial usage, which voids your warranty. And I was super confused, like wh what commercial use? You have no evidence that this vehicle has ever been used for commercial purposes because it never has been. Uh, and when I tried to get more details out of them, uh, he said, uh, I'm not the carrier. This wasn't my decision. It just says on my screen here, denied uh, due to uh, I'm, try I'm trying to remember the exact legal wording. Uh, sufficient evidence of commercial usage. Uh, then I said, okay, well, can you connect me with somebody over to the carrier so I can talk to them directly? And he said, no, you can't contact the carrier. You're not allowed to talk to the carrier. Uh, this matter is closed. I'm sorry. Just yeah. for people listening, the commercial use was being featured on a YouTube channel where you didn't even make any money off of it. So it really looks like, just, just from outside looking in, it looks like they were looking for any particular facet to not cover this claim and being with digital nomads and everybody doing the road thing and you know we talked about this briefly it seemed as though they were doing something along the lines of anybody's on a podcast anybody that's ever done any product reviews anybody's done anything like that they had a set system to go online and try and find anything they did so they can get out the, the claim yeah i mean it, it just seems like that like, unfortunately, the company you got was just slimy because I'm sure the, the in-between, because the thing is, when it comes down to the, the video online, it, it doesn't, you, you can't even tell it's, it's yours. There, there's no, there's none of your social on there. So I'm sure they had employees just scouring the internet, knowing that van life people go on different platforms and do product reviews and all that. And they were probably specifically looking for anything you did, it, like like that that receipt, like one oil change receipt, and they're just going to avoid the whole thing. 
Like they're just looking for any little thing. Cause just in the business mindset, they want to bring money in, but they don't want to pay any out. You know, that, that that's not what they want to do. And uh, with the oil change receipts is all I could think about with that was what if I changed my own oil? Are you going to avoid my warranty because I changed yeah. my own oil? Oh, you, you know, you know, they are. Have you looked into any legal action past the point of being like, this is my contract. This is what we're doing. I contacted uh, the dealership and uh, got a hold of management there and they set me up with, uh, you know, their legal department. And I explained the entire situation to her. Uh, you know, she was uh, great to me and she said, all right, uh, if you say this vehicle isn't commercial, send me as much evidence as you possibly can that it isn't and we'll get the legal team on it. So I sent them my, uh, at this point now, old New York registration uh, and a picture of my old New York plates because you could tell just by looking at them that these are standard car plates. These are not commercial plates. And you can also says it right on my registration. And I you know, had just uh, registered the van again in South Dakota and I have the same thing. In South Dakota, I have a normal uh, car passenger uh, title and even personalized plates, which is against the law to have for a commercial vehicle in most states, including South Dakota. Uh, along with that, I also had uh, pictures of my signs uh, from when I served tea. Uh, and I fortunately foresaw something like this happening, which is why at the very bottom of my uh, tea sign, it says non-commercial potluck. Um, and any sort of thing like that I could think of, uh, like I also went online and found the website where I ordered the, uh, the uh, sticker off of to show them like, this is not a company logo. This is a sticker I bought from this website. Here it is right here. And they took all that evidence and apparently they fought all the way up to the CEO. Like, you know, the actual CEO was talking to the legal department from the dealership. And he stood firm that we have everything we need to win this case. If you want to pursue legal action, we are not afraid to go to court because we will win. And that's probably built into their contract because they expect something like that. Uh, yep. And they ex you know, specifically said that the reason they're so confident they can win is because you know, the video is on YouTube uh, right here. And just the van being in the video, according to them, was enough evidence of commercial usage. So what if the what if the van is no longer on YouTube? Um, I'm honestly not sure uh, if that would work, but I'm sure they have you know like files to prove that it was at one point. Because I, I mentioned to you briefly, there's a book. Um, it's either Never Split the Difference or Fanatical Prospecting. Um, I believe it's Never Split the Difference, but somebody basically had the same thing happen. It was an extended warranty company. And they got him on a technicality for rust, like the undercarriage of his car had rust or it messed up his bumper. And he went back. I forget exactly what research he did, but basically he just found a loophole in, in their loophole. and was like, okay, so if you want to say that this LLC is legit, then look, look at this. And then they went ahead and fixed his, his warranty. Have you looked into any other options of, you know, possibly going to court with this and seeing what happened or any, any, you know, I have, I have, but unfortunately, like because the van is, you know, more not only my vehicle but my home, I simply don't have the time or the resources to pursue uh, legal action. You know, 
I need to just do whatever I can do to get the van fixed and, you know, go into the desert and have my home back for the winter. Well, if you had the, uh, the resources, what, what would you do with the resources? Would you pursue legal action or would you just cover the cost essentially of what you paid for the extended warranty and just fix the van? Like where, where's your head at with everything? Uh, so for the time being, uh, they've actually canceled my contract already. Uh, so I can't uh, get them to pay for anything at this point. Um, but, you know, I would love to see justice done and, you know, go to court and get everything done with this. But, you know, at this point, I don't think that's a realistic option. And why is that? Um, well, for the one part, you know, I already had, you know, uh, the lawyers at the dealership look into everything and, you know, they regretfully, you know, told me that we've reviewed this case and uh, we think the warranty company is right. I don't think there's any way you can fight this and win. And, you know, we'll help you out as much as we can. We can, you know, get you a refund for the money you paid on the warranty. But uh, other than that, that's, you know, the best we can do. Well, I don't know. It's just, it's just so slimy. Like my, it's, uh, it's definitely one of those situations where, you always hate to see the the bad guy win. Mm -hmm. If if you were able to put a little funds into getting your, because what, what was it one some one lump sum that you got the warranty and then monthly after that, or was it just one lump sum at the beginning? Uh, yeah, I just paid for the whole thing flat out at the beginning. I think there were options where you could make installments, but uh, I paid for my van in cash, so uh, I just also paid for the warranty up front. So is, is it an option for you just to go after that lump sum and then, you know, possibly get, get your engine fixed? Is that something you're considering? Uh, yeah, that is uh, uh, something we're looking into right now. Uh, and uh, the dealership sent me over a uh, thing where I basically void out the warranty myself. I mail it into them and they'll send me the check that I spent on the warranty. Well, hopefully that, that works. But in terms of your your vehicle now, you mentioned that you have a uh, a GoFundMe for people that, you know, if, if they want to contribute or they're able to contribute, they can do so. Um, and that will be in the uh, the show notes of this video or if you watch it on Instagram or wherever it is, it'll be in the description of the video. Um, how, like, have you started that or is that something you're going to do in the future? Uh, was uh, I had never really done something like this before, so I was something I was looking into starting. Uh, yeah, I never had anything like this happen to me before. Yeah, no, it's it, it's a tricky situation. I mean, at at this point, would you even suggest people getting an extended warranty or just going with the van and seeing seeing how it goes, or see if you can actually get a hold of Dodge and possibly get an extended warranty through them? Like, do you have any recommendations for people from what you've learned? Uh, honestly, I think the best thing to do is take whatever money you were going to spend on having a warranty and create a nest egg with it. Separate from all your other money, make a, some, make a nest egg specifically for, uh, you know, engine trouble, you know, 
anything that goes wrong with your band. Yeah, I always tell people, you know, the cost for me to live in this bus per month is around $1,400. You know, food, cell phone, Funimation account, like the whole, like ev everything that I have is around $1,400, but there's $200 built into that number that goes in every month. Because I know there's going to be something that goes wrong with that engine. I have a Cummins 8.3 in mine, and uh, the P-pump on that engine is $3,500. You know, and that's, that's one component on the exterior of the engine that's not even going in and doing a rebuild or anything like that it's it's definitely something people should uh should you know consider especially getting an egg. and that's why i was saying hopefully you know you're able to get that that warranty money back and then mm -hmm. you know put that towards the engine and uh last question how has the mechanic shop been with with all this and did did they mention that they have similar experiences with warranty companies like this or is this one aberrant to where they're just really bad? Uh, well, I think I was very uh, blessed in terms of uh, shops because uh, having just gotten to South Dakota, I wasn't very familiar with, you know, who was the best mechanic or who to trust or who not to trust. And uh, the shop I ended up bringing the van to was wonderful to us, uh, you know, for the license, you know, they made sure we were able to get there, that we didn't have to cancel, that we get our stuff done. Uh, when we were waiting around the shop afterwards, uh, they told us, you know, hey, don't sit around here looking depressed all day. Uh, you're in one of the most beautiful places in the entire country. Go check out the Badlands, go to the Black Hills, uh, uh, go see the Buffalo, just don't get too close. And, you know, they really tried to do their best to, you know, help us through everything. And, you know, they were, on the warranty company as much as they could be like uh they were really uh great to us and what what was the shop's name and i'll link them down in the uh down in the video as well because uh south dakota is a great place to rv and boondock there's so many great spots like uh nomad nomad peak i think it is right outside of badlands there's just so many awesome boondocking spots there uh, their names are uh, Triple H Performance in uh, Spearfish, South Dakota. By the time this comes out, you'll have it all set up. But have you decided if you're doing a, a GoFundMe or any like any particular uh, platform you're looking at? Uh, yeah, I think uh, from what I've seen anyway, uh, GoFundMe seems to be the most like easy to use, user-friendly, recognizable, trusted. Uh, insert good comment here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that, that'll be linked down below. Um, hopefully, like I said, you're able to get that uh, that initial investment back and get back on the road because, you know, it sucks when you have your, your tiny home on wheels, but you're not able to take it anywhere and it's sitting in a shop parking lot and you're just trying to make the best of it. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for your time. And, uh, yeah, hopefully you're back on the road soon. All right, thank you. And uh, hopefully at least my experience can go and help other nomads to be you know, wiser in the future. This episode is brought to you by the Tiny Home Tours newsletter. Would you enjoy a weekly newsletter that shares all things tiny? Every Friday, we share sneak peeks of full upcoming tour videos, blog posts, and new podcast episodes. Join with the link below or by visiting tinyhometours.com.